Good day, everybody. I hope you're off to a great start and having an awesome Wednesday. You know, today we are going to look at an idea about living water and what that means for us. You know, the word living water is used a few times uh, throughout the scriptures. And a lot of us may have different ideas, may have never even thought about it. But today what I want to do is take a look at that and how it applies to us. So if you have a Bible, I want you to turn with me over to John chapter 7. We're going to start in verse 37. And it says, On the last day of the feast, the greatest day, Jesus stood up and shouted out. You know, I want to stop right there to begin with. You know, this was the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles, sometimes known as the Feast of Booths or Huts. Uh, also in Hebrew, I believe it's uh, the Feast of Sokut. And what it was, the purpose of this celebration was for the Jews to remember the Exodus, leaving Egypt and wandering through the desert and remembering that God provides for them. And now this passage in John says it was the last day of the feast, the last day of the ceremony. And to understand a little bit more contextually, what was going on is you would have the high priest, I believe, standing over the altar with a jug. Uh, a jug. And as everyone was watching, he would turn that jug over to pour water out over the altar, except there was no water in the jug. And then people would, well, what are we going to do kind of mentality? And he would walk back out of the temple and go down to uh, an area where water would be. He would fill the jug up. And then he would slowly march back up to the temple and to the altar. And all the people would be standing around and they'd have these branches from a plant and they would be shaking them. And it would be quite loud. And it would almost sound, uh, from what I understand, like rain. Now, this is something I've been studying and learning about through uh, a gentleman that I listen a lot to. His name is Marty Solomon. And as the priest is walking up with this jug, you would hear this sound and it would be loud and people would be chanting and, and, and excitement would be raised up in the air as he walks in. And then he would get to the altar and as he would pour the water over the altar, it would hit the hot rocks and steam would rise up. And that would be seen as the presence of God. But imagine what, what people would be feeling at this moment as they're shaking these branches and all this noise and all this excitement. And then as the priest gets up there to pour the jug, it just goes silent. And they're waiting to see the living water poured out over this stone. And as I heard, and as I continue, it was about this time that Jesus stood up and shouted. And if we continue on in verse 37, it says, Jesus stood up, shouted out, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and let the one who believes in me drink, just as the scripture says, from within him will flow rivers of living water. Imagine in the silence and I, I can imagine that Jesus wouldn't have been necessarily around the altar, but somewhere back in the crowd, and you have this quiet hush over the crowd. And then a voice rings out that says, if you're thirsty, you come to me. And whoever believes in me, as the scripture says, 
that living water is going to flow from within you. Wow. That would be a pretty impressive moment. And if you read the scripture closely, because I always thought the living water was coming from Jesus. But what he says here is, the one who believes in me and drinks, just as the scripture says, from within him will flow rivers of living water. Where is this living water going to come from? Yes, ultimately Jesus. But those who believe in him are going to become a source of that living water. That those who believe, you and me, can become a source of living water. Well, what is living water? In the day of Jesus, going back through the Old Testament, living water was portrayed as rain, a spring coming out of the ground, possibly a flowing river. But that was viewed as living water. And now you contrast that to humanity where we would dig cisterns and these big holes in the ground to collect rainwater. And if you look down in that cistern, it would be stagnant. It wouldn't look too appetizing. You'd feed it to your animals. You might even drink it if you're really thirsty. But it doesn't really have the same appeal as if you saw a nice spring coming up out of the ground, filling a pond somewhere. And so this was living water. And so I have a question for us. How can we be living water for people today? Because Jesus says here that that living water will flow from us. And I want us to think about this for a moment. How can I be a source of living water for my friends? How could I be a source of living water for my family? How can I be a living source of water for my coworkers or classmates? Or how could I even be a source of living water for my neighbors? You know, I've been preaching a lot of lessons over the last six months, eight months, a year about how we are image bearers of our Father in Heaven. And we've got to look, how can I be the source of living water? I don't believe it's just merely here. Let's get out the scriptures and preach at people. But I believe it's being something bigger, something better than merely just preaching at people. And if you have a Bible, turn with me over to Isaiah 58. And we're going to see something here. And it says in verse 8 of chapter 58 of Isaiah, Then your light will break forth like the dawn, and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call, and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help, and he will say, Here I am. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing finger and the malicious talk, and if you spend yourselves on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness, and your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in the sun-scorched land, and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose water never fail. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer 
of streets with dwellings. You know, Isaiah says here, look, at if we would just lean on God, if we would just trust in God's story, then we are going to be streams of living water for those around us. You know, those who are hungry, if we focus on helping and meeting their needs, you know, that I believe can be physically. We have a lot of people, especially during this time of the pandemic and COVID and all that's going on, people are hurting. If we can provide any ounce of help for them through giving to a food bank, supplying or even helping at a food bank, then yes, we need to help the hungry. But there's also those who are spiritually hungry. And we need to help them as well. I refer us back to a lesson I had done earlier where we talked about Matthew 4 and Matthew 5. When Jesus saw the crowds of all of those who are not Israel coming surrounding him, he sat down to teach his disciples what we call the Beatitudes. And those who are spiritually hungry, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. You know, I talked about blessed not being so much happy, but maybe God is with those who are poor in spirit. You know, we have crowds around us all the time. Jesus would say people are harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. You know, we need to help people in whatever way that might be helping our neighbors next door, helping people that we work with, being a listening ear, whatever it might be. How can we be living water for them? You know, he says down here a little bit later that we need to help people with the yoke of oppression. You know, people feel oppressed for many, many different reasons. We need to be someone who helps lift that oppression, whether it be by helping them with an answer to something or just being present in their suffering. But we need to be a help to free people from the yoke of this world. You know, this world takes a big toll on people. You know, I just had a conversation this morning with somebody who thought they were doing what was right by their boss, only to be raked over the coals for it. And what I shared with that person is, this is the world. When you have something for them, they will gladly take it and use it until there's nothing left. And then they discard you like worn out trash. You know, as those of living water, we've got to look to see how we can help people in their oppression, in this yoke in the world. You know, we live in a world where there's so much finger pointing and so much malicious talk, so much gossip, so much slander. And unfortunately, even for religious people, we, we hide it and we, we cloak it in righteousness or some form of self-righteousness rather than being those who go, look, there is no place for that kind of criticism. There's no place for malicious talk. But let us spend ourselves on behalf, and this is verse 10, on those who are hungry and helping satisfy the needs of the oppressed. You know, if we really want to represent our Father, this is the image that we need to represent to the world around us. You know, there's a couple of people I want to just give a shout out to. You know, uh, Dave Birch. Brother's been around so long. He's such a great, great friend to so many. And if there's anything that I would say is his strength, he is a constant encourager, sending texts out to people, 
uh, phone calls, talking to people. You know, I appreciate so much what he brings to the church and how he helps so many people. And I know for me in my own life, you know, since I've been here, you know, two people that have really helped me at different times as I've gone through my own desert, so to speak, is, you know, Greg Taylor and Carlton Skeet. And have been uh, good friends to me, have uh, been a great voice, a great sounding board at different times. And I'm so grateful for them. You know, we've got to surround ourselves with people like that. Because as Jude would say, often there are those who are just grumblers, complainers, fault finders. You know, and I've found myself in those shoes. I'm not innocent of it. But it's so much like the world, and we've got to step away from that and start looking for what is good in people and trying to see what it is that God is sparking in them to, to be able to do great things. You know, as we continue on in verse 11, you know, it says here that God is going to satisfy our needs. God is going to strengthen us. God is going to make us a well-watered garden like a spring whose waters never fail. Well, why? Because in verse 12, he says very simply, as I've talked about partnering with God, as God looks at us and I can work with that, says in verse 12, so that we can rebuild the ruins, that we can strengthen the foundations and raise them up, and that we can become repairers of the brokenness all around us in our world. And so as I conclude our time today, what I want to ask us is a simple question. How can I be a well-watered garden for those going through a desert? How can I, as someone who is a believer in Christ, become living water so that I could be that well-watered garden to help people as they're going through their personal deserts in life? Thank you so much for listening. I hope you got a blessed day today. And for those who are members of our fellowship, we will be meeting at Africville Park at 11 a.m. this upcoming Sunday. May God bless you.